The Kiss, a childhood decision maker. As with most small towns, Mall King was filled with characters. A handful of them lived on Himmel Street. Fro Hol Sapfel was only one cast member. The others included the likes of these: Rudy Steiner, the boy next door who was obsessed with the black American athlete Jesse Owens. Fro Diller. This town are in corner shop owner Tommy Muller a kid whose chronic ear infections had resulted in severe op- several op- operations a pink river of skin painted across his face and a tendency to twitch a man known primarily as Fificus whose vulgarity made Rosa Huberman look like a wordsmith and a saint On the whole, it was a street filled with relatively poor people, despite the apparent rise of Germany's economy under Hitler. Poor sides of town still existed. As mentioned already, the house next door to the Hubermans was rented by a family called Steiner. The Steiners had six children. One of them, the infamous Rudy, would soon become Lisa's best friend, and later. her partner and sometime catalyst in crime she met him on the street a few days after lisa's first bath mama allowed her out to play with the other kids on himmel street friendships were made outside no matter the weather the children rarely visited each other's homes for they were small and there was usually very little in them also they conducted their favorite pastime like professionals on the street Soccer teams were well set. Garbage cans were used to mark out the goals. Being the new kid in town, Liesel was immediately shouted between one pair of those cans. Tommy Muller was finally set free despite being the most useless soccer player Himmel Street had ever seen. It all went nicely for a while until the fateful moment when Rudy Steiner was appended in the snow by a Tommy Muller foul of frustration. What? Tommy shouted. His face twitched in desperation. What did I do? A penalty was awarded by everyone on Rudy's team. And now it was Rudy's team against the new kid, Liesel Memminger. She placed the ball on a grubby mound of snow, confident of the usual outcome. After all, Rudy hadn't missed a penalty in 18 shots, even when the opposition made a point of booting Tommy Muller out of goal. No matter whom they replaced him with, Rudy would score. On this occasion, they tried to force Liesel out. As you might imagine, she protested, and Rudy agreed. No, no, he smiled. Let her stay. He was rubbing his hands together. Snow had fallen. Snow had stopped falling on the filthy street now. and the muddy footprints were gathered between them Rudy shuffled in fired the shot and Liesel dived and somehow deflected it with her elbow she stood up grinning but the first thing she saw was a snowball smashing into her face half of it was mud it stung like crazy how do you like that the boy and he ran off in pursuit of the ball soccer Liesel whispered The vocabulary of a new home was catching on fast. 
Some facts about Rudy Sena. He was 8 months older when Liesel had bony legs, sharp teeth, gangly blue eyes and hair the color of a lemon. One of 16 children, he was permanently hungry. On Himmel Street, he was considered a little crazy. This was on account of an event that was rarely spoken about but widely regarded as the Jesse Owens incident. in which he painted himself charcoal black and ran the 100 meters at, lo- at the local playing field one night insane or not rudy was always destined to be lisa's best friend the snowball in the face is surely the perfect beginning to a lasting friendship a few days after lisa started school she went along with his teenus rudy's mother barbara made him promise to walk with the new girl mainly because she had heard about the snowball To Rudy's credit, he was happy enough to comply. He was not the junior misogynistic type of boy at all. He liked girls a lot and he liked Liesel, hence the snowball. In fact, Rudy Stainer was one of those audacious little bastards who actually fancied himself with the ladies. Every childhood seems to have exactly such a juvenile in its midst and mists. He's the boy who refuses to fear the opposite sex. purely because everyone else embraces that particular fear and he's the type who is unafraid to make a decision in this case rudy had already made up his mind about lisel mingo on the way to school he tried to point out certain landmarks of the town or at least he managed to slip it all in somewhere between telling his younger siblings to shut their faces and the older ones telling him to shut his his first point of interest was a small window on the second floor of an apartment block That's where Tommy Muller lives. He realized that Liesel didn't remember him. That which her? When he was five years old, he got lost at the markets on the coldest day of the year. Three hours later, when they found him, he was frozen solid and had an awful earache from the cold. After a while, his ears were all infected inside and he had three or four operations and the doctors wrecked his nose. So now, he twitches. Liesel climbed in. and he's bad at soccer the worst next was the corner shop at the end of himmel street fraudilus an important note about fraudilla she had one golden rule fraudilla was a sharp-edged woman with fat glasses and an nefarious glare she did de- she developed this evil look discouraged the very idea of stealing from her shop which she occupied with soldier like posture a refrigerated voice and even breath that smelled like hail hitler the shop itself was white and cold and completely bloodless the small house compressed beside it shivered with a little more severity than the other buildings on himmel street fraudilla administered this feeling dishing it out as the only free item from her premises she lived for her shop and her shop lived for the third ray Even when rationing started later in the year she was known to sell certain hard to get items under the counter and donate the money to Nazi party On the wall behind her usual sitting position was a framed photo of Führer If you walked into her shop and didn't say Hail Hitler you wouldn't be served As they walked by Rudy drew Liesel's attention to the bulletproof eyes leering from the shop window Say hail when you go in there he wanted stiffly unless you want to walk a little farther even when they were well past the shop lisa looked back and mag- and the magnified eyes were still there fastened to the window
Around the corner, Munich Street, the main road in and out of Morking, was strewn with, strewn with slosh. As was often the case, a few rows of troops in training came marching past. Their uniforms walked upright and their back black boots further polluted the snow. Their faces were mixed ahead in the concentra- in concentration. Once they had watched the soldiers disappear, the group of steeners and Liesel walked past some shop windows and the imposing town hall, which in later years would be chopped off at the knees and buried. A few of the shops were abandoned and still labelled with yellow stars and anti-Jewish slurs. Further down, the church aimed itself at the sky, its rooftop a study of collaborated tiles. The street overall was a lengthy tube of grey, a corridor of dampness. People stooped in the cold and splashed sound of watery footsteps. At one stage, Rudy rushed ahead, dragging Liesel with him. He knocked on the window of a tailor's shop. Had she been able to read the sign, she would have noticed that it belonged to Rudy's father. The shop was not yet open, but inside a man was preparing articles of clothing behind a counter. He looked up and waved. My papa. Rudy informed her, and they were soon among the crowd of various sized steeners, each waving or blowing kisses at their father or simply standing and nodding hello, in case of the oldest ones, then moving on toward the final landmark before school. The last stop. The Road of Yellow Stars It was a place nobody wanted to stay and look at, but almost everyone did. Shaped like a long, broken arm, the road contained several houses with lacerated windows and bruised walls. The Star of David was painted on their doors. Those houses were almost like clippers. At the very least, they were infected sores on the injured German terrain. Schiller's Truss, Rudy said, the Road of Yellow Stars. At the bottom, some people were moving around. The drizzle made them look like ghosts. Not humans, but shapes, moving about beneath the lead-colored clouds. Come on, you two, Kurt, the oldest of Sienna's children, called back and Rudy and Liesel walked quickly toward him. At school, Rudy made a special point of seeking Liesel out during the breaks. He didn't care what others he didn't care that others made noises about the new girl's stupidity. He was there for her at the beginning and he would be there later on when Liesel's frustration boiled over. But he wouldn't do it for free. The only thing worse than a boy who hates you, a boy who loves you. In later in late April, when they had returned from school for that day, Rudy and Liesel waited on Himmel Street for the usual game of soccer. They were slightly early and no other kids had turned up yet. The person they saw was Guttermouth-Fificus. Look there, Rudy pointed. A portrait of Fificus. He had a delicate frame. He has white hair. He was a, he was a black raincoat, brown pants, decomposing shoes and a mouth. And what a mouth it was. Hey, Fificus! As the distant figure turned, Rudy started whistling. The old man simultaneously straightened and proceeded to swear with the ferocity that can only be described as a talent. No one seemed to know the real name that belonged to him, or at least if they did, they never used it. He was only called Fificus, because you give that name to someone who likes to whistle, which Fificus most definitely did. He was constantly whistling a tune called the Raditsky March and all the kids in town would call out to him and duplicate that tune. At that precise moment, Fificus would abandon his usual walking style, bend forward, 
taking large lanky steps arms behind his raincoated back and rocked himself to deliver abuse it was then that any impression of serenity was violently interrupted for his voice was brimming with rage on this occasion lisel followed rudy's taunt taunt almost as a reflex action Fificus she echoed quickly adopting the appropriate cruelty that childhood seems to require her whistling was awful but there was no time to perfect it he chased them calling out it started with gashishan and deteriorated rapidly from there at first he leveled his abuse only at the boy but soon enough it was little stern you little slut he roared at her the words clobbered her in the back I've never seen you before. Fancy calling a 10-year-old girl a slut. That was Fificus. It was widely agreed that he and Fro Holzapfel would have been a lovely couple. Get back here, were the last words Lisa and Rudy heard as they continued running. They ran until they were on the Munich street. Come on, Rudy said once they had recovered their breath. Just down here a little. He took her to Hubert Oval, the scene of the Jesse Owens incident, where they stood, hands in pockets. The track was stretched out in front of them. Only one thing could happen. Rudy started it. Hundred meters, he guarded her. I bet you can't beat me. Liesel wasn't taking any of that. I bet you I can. What do you bet, you little sawmensch? Have you got any money? Of course not. Do you? No, but Rudy had an idea. It was the lover boy coming out of him. If I beat you, I get to kiss you. He crouched down and began rolling up his trousers. Liesel was alarmed, to put it mildly. What do you want to kiss me for? I'm filthy. So am I. Rudy clearly saw no reason why a bit of filth should get in the way of things. It had been a while before, between baths for both, both of them. She thought about it while examining the weedy legs of her opposition. They were about equal with their own. There was no way he can beat me, she thought. She nodded seriously. This was business. You can kiss me if you win. But if I win, I get out of being goalie at soccer. Rudy considered it. Fair enough. And they shook on it. All was dark, sky and hazy, and small chips of rain were starting to fall. The track was muddier than it looked. Both competitors were set. Rudy threw a rock in the air as the starting pistol. When it hit the ground, they could start running. I can't even see the finish line. Liesel complained, and I can. The rock wedged itself into the earth. They ran next to each other, elbowing and trying to get in first. Get in front. The slippery ground slurped at their feet and brought them down perhaps 20 meters from the end. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, yelled Rudy. I'm covered in shit. It's not shit. Liesel corrected him. It's mud. Although she had her doubts, they had slid another five meters toward the finish. Do we call it a draw then? Rudy looked over, all sharp teeth and gangly blue eyes. Half his face was painted with mud. If it's a draw, do I still get my kiss? Not in a million years. Liesel stood up and flicked some mud off her jacket. I'll get you out of goalie. Stick you, goalie. As they walked back to Himmel Street, Rudy forewarned her. One day, Liesel, he said, you'll be dying to kiss me. But Liesel knew. She walked. As long as both she and Rudy Stina lived, she would never kiss that miserable, filthy soccer. Especially not this day.
there were more important matters to attend to. She looked down at her suit of mud and stated the obvious. She's going to kill me. She of course was Rosa Hiberman, also known as Mama. And she very nearly did kill her. The word somage featured heavily in the administration of punishment. She made mincemeat out of her.